Welcome to the Vineyard. Glad you're with us this morning. Welcome those of you joining us online. Happy to have you here as well. Good to see you on a, uh, looks like it's a nice day out there. Cool. Good. We're um, in a series called An Unshakable Foundation. So I'm going to hop right in. And uh, Kim, if you could, will you shut that door for me, please? If uh, you haven't come in this, this, uh, this is really all about understanding his story from beginning to end. And, and so we're taking some time to sort of deep dive into parts of Scripture so we can see how it all ties together. And the practical idea is this, that when you, when you really sort of get a hold of and understand the whole story... Uh, and then how we're invited into it and how we fit into the story, then I think it really opens up the Scripture and helps us to apply it into our lives that we're living every day because we're seeing the, the whole sort of story and how it fits. And we're, we're kind of in a place right now where the, um, we're seeing how the early church, the disciples, uh, are, are, have suddenly realized that all of the Old Testament Scriptures are pointing at Jesus. And, and so we're, we're looking at passages that make these connections for us. But the, the big sort of overall theme that, that I hope you're seeing is that God's heart is to dwell with us. And that's what we saw creation and, and that um, God wanted a place where, where he could dwell with us. And we've, we've been watching that throughout the story. That's his heart. So when the fall happened, blew that up. You know, again, there was a place at Tabernacle and the Exodus and temple with Jesus and all these things are happening. Holy Spirit connecting with us. These things that we've been talking about waiting for the end of the story when new heaven comes down to earth, restored and renewed. And that's the the idea that we're following. And it makes a difference when we see all those things in how we understand the big story fitting together. Last week we were in Luke and um, we, we, you know, we were, uh, uh, we talked, we looked in Luke 24, and then we talked about the seven feasts of Israel for a little bit, and how the first four have been fulfilled, and we're late on the last three. And um, today we're going to move into um, Matthew, and we're going to be in the last chapter of Matthew today. We're going to talk about the Great Commission and that passage, and there's some neat stuff that goes on in there. And let me just say this uh, before we even get there. The idea is this, that that Jesus wants us as his friends, as those who've connected with the story and understand that we're part of it, and all that that means, um, that, that at the heart of it all is that what Jesus wants is for us to go and make him some new friends. That's really the, the, the big chunk of what we're doing now and how it fits. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about how that fits into the bigger story in a moment. But, but understand, that's the commission. Would you, would you just go, as my friends, would you go and make me some new friends? I just, that's my heart. So, so we take that in, and that's what we're looking at. So we're heading into Matthew here in just a moment. A couple of jokes to get out of the way. I had, I had stopped doing this one, and then they told me it was the best one, so I put it back in. Here's the thing. If I pour root beer into a square glass, do I just have beer? It's a math joke. Now, um, that, now that, well, the scary thing here is people think that's the best one. Yeah, so, that's right. you're like, what's coming next? Two guys meet on opposite sides of a river. One shouts to the other, I need you to help me get to the other side. And the other guy says, you are on the other side. <laughs> I like that. I've been told I'm condescending. That means I talk down to people. 
My daughter likes that. I appreciate that. Everybody else is like, what? Alice, come. Please, help me. It's judgy. The condescending joke feels judgy. Did you have your glasses on when you did it? No, I didn't. no he had a prop. I took the prop too. off yeah. earlier because I didn't think it was right. I had it, my glasses down my nose when I said that last one. Let's go to the Father, shall we, before we read the word. Lord, just let your kingdom come again today. As we dive deeper into your word and as you continue to build those foundational blocks in our life. Father, let us be a people that are always teachable and always willing to learn. Let us be a people that love and accept and help one another to be the best that they can be in you, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear today. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all God's people. Amen. Okay, the text today is out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, 16 through 20. As Steve said, this is the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Blessed be the word of God. Amen. All right. So let's hop in. I'm confident that many of you know that passage. And uh, if you've been hanging around for a while, you understand the Great Commission or parts of it. But there's some nuances in there that I think tie it into the bigger story that that kind of really open it up for what was going on and how it was delivered and when it was delivered and what it means and and then how we apply it to our lives. So the first thing I want you to see, and I'll, I'll try and explain this as we go. This is point number one, if you've downloaded the notes. Uh, it started with 11. Now, there's, there's something significant in that, but just sort of be looking for that as I talk. But uh, um, there's something about the way that this passage starts, and nothing in the Scripture, there's no wasted words in the Scripture. When you read something in the Bible, it means something. You may not always understand it right away, and, you know, that's we're asking Holy Spirit to illuminate Scripture to us all the time, but nothing is there. Uh, and you would you would just sort of think, well, of course it was 11 because Judas is no longer in the picture. But he didn't just, Matthew didn't just leave that for us to understand. He says it, and it means something that he says it. So so be thinking about that on uh, as we continue this talk. And that everything really with the church um, starts here. This is kind of the, the beginning. It starts with these 11. There's, there's something significant that starts right here. And everything that we sort of know, the, the church, you know, is um, 2,000 years worth of church. I, hope, I, I love that. I haven't said that to the other groups. The, I hope you connect to that part of the story as well. That you're a part of something that's been ongoing now for a couple of thousand years. And we're here because of the faithfulness of the people before us uh, because they told people about Jesus they they got the commission and they lived it that's why we're here and and it, we, we want to make sure it continues on of course it will nothing will prevail against it but it's all about us being faithful to doing the things that had to had to go on and when you think about how it's happened because it's 
you know, people are kind of a mess. <laughs> and in, even in the church. And yet, the faithfulness of God to take people that are a mess and use them to continue the story is really significant. So, uh, our disciples are not, they're just a mess right now because everything is turned on them, right? They, had, they were convinced that what Jesus was going to do was take over militarily and politically, and it didn't happen. And it's really undone them. Um, and, and even now that, that Jesus has raised, they're still not sure what it looks like. They, they have they, all these questions. Because everything, imagine thinking one thing for, you know, well, before they were looking for it, but then being with Jesus and watching what he did. And that three years of thinking, okay, this is it. This is great. And, and then it doesn't go at all with what you think. And, and suddenly you're scared and you're kind of hiding out. You're not sure what to do. And that's what's happening. And, and you know, Mary and, and, and some of the other women have gone to the tomb and they've had this encounter first with angels and then with Jesus. And they come back and they tell the disciples uh, something. So, you know, let me get, let me get you into that. Uh, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now, that may not seem like that big a deal to you, but Galilee's not like right around the block from Jerusalem. It's a two or three day walk. So this is a big deal, and they're already unsettled and not sure what's going on. And, and Matthew's account is Jesus doesn't tell them that they need to go and meet him there. They're gonna, Mary's going to come back from her encounter, and she's going to say, Jesus wants you to go and meet him in Galilee. And I just wonder what that was like. Um, part of the story is this, that, that they're having to go on a journey, which is good for us to see. And there's some risk involved, and, and it takes some faith, because risk and faith are always hand in hand. And they kind of have to risk sort of being where they are, and, 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 and they're going to have to go. And my thought is that on this journey, they're asking each other, you think he's going to show up? Will he be there? But Jesus, is he really going to meet us there? Because they're not sure. Everything is different, right? And so I, I kind of see these 11, and it's like they're you know, like walking with a limp. Is my, they're, they're going, and they're, they're excited, but they're not sure what's happening. There's that feeling of ambivalence, if you would, about life and what was coming up. Um, but they do go, uh, and they, they move in that direction. And then they encounter Jesus. And it, this is a powerful passage that you might skip over. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. See, they, they were so excited to see Jesus. They worshipped. They were, oh, it's Jesus. And yet they're still not sure about what it looks like and what's happening. And, and you know, what's, uh, we were so confident it was going to go this way. And now what is it like to go this way? And, and uh, they have all these things sort of hanging together over them. But there's something in the story that I believe is very, very important for us to see. And, and that's why the 11 makes a difference. So when Jesus was doing his ministry, his, his very public ministry, he was basically taking on, um, he was becoming Israel in, in his own person. He was the personification of Israel. Uh, and by that I mean Israel was called to do something, but because of sin they couldn't do it. So Jesus is kind of the perfect Israel, if you would. He comes without sin, and he begins to do things that Israel couldn't. Like what? Well, um, why he had 12 disciples was because Israel had 12 tribes. And there's that connection. 
Um, when, when he, remember he had to go to Egypt, Jesus, when he was young, and then he, he leaves Egypt. Well, what other group do you know in the story where they went into Egypt and then they had to, and they initially went into Egypt for safety's sake because there was no food everywhere else and Jesus went so he could be safe. And then they come out of Egypt. Uh, and, um, so there's that sort of the story. And then, you know, Jesus, he goes through the water, right? He gets baptized. And we, we also see in the Old Testament that the people of Israel, they went through the water, right? They're rescued through the water. And then where do they go? Well, they go to the mountain where what where God gives them the ten words, tells them this is what it looks like now, new community, this is how you're going to live. And Jesus, he, he goes through the baptism. Where does he go? Well, he goes to the mountain where he, develop, he gives the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew records for us the Beatitudes. This is how you're going to live. And so he's... Jesus is doing everything perfectly that Israel couldn't do. And you need to see that. So that's why all these pictures are there. But now that he's done it, and Jesus has gone to the cross, and he's defeated death, and he's risen. Now that he's done that, he's, he's going to put something else in motion. And, and so he calls the eleven to him. It's no longer a perfect number. Twelve is a perfect number. Everything was perfect. Now, now it's deficient. It's missing something. And, and here's what you need to get. That, that's why it's so important. Jesus is going to take an imperfect group, but he's going to give them a perfect vocation. And that's what he's going to call them to. And why that's important is so many people struggle with the idea that, you know, how can God use me? How can I do anything? I'm not, I'm such a mess. I, I don't, I mess all these things up, you know, I'm, and, and we get all poor performance based, which is what was in there. But this passage, what it really tells us is what, what God is really looking for is just people that are willing. He, he doesn't work with perfect people because there aren't any. There was, it was Jesus, but now there's not. And that whole idea of 11 is that picture, so you see it. It's an imperfect number, and these guys would have connected with it right away. He calls the 11. It's going to start there. It's going to start with imperfect people, but he's going to partner with them and give them a perfect vocation, and everything's going to change. And so that sets up the idea of commission that's happening. You need to get that. He's commissioning people who are a mess, who even got there, and they worship, but they doubted. That's something anybody, and, and so not perfect, and so, but, but, they were the ones that Jesus was looking for. And he tells them this. He says, you know, second thing he says, he talks about all authority. This is point number two. All of this is really significant when he says all authority. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, where I think we... We struggle, I'll talk more about this later, is that we, we kind of get, oh yeah, we get he's got all authority in heaven, but on earth, really? Because earth is a pretty big mess. And, and we often wonder if that's true. But when we know the bigger story, we can sort of see why it's a mess and what happened and the whole authority thing and where it got messed up. And so we can go back to the beginning of the story because we know it. And we think, well, what, how does this all connect? And th- these guys would be making these connections. Remember when it all started um, back in Genesis and creation and God makes a place uh, and he's got where he's going to dwell with people. And he makes a perfect place called Eden. Now, Eden, the whole, the whole planet is not like Eden. Eden is 
like this picture of heaven and earth together. That's what it's supposed to be. And what he wants to do, and this is how God wanted to do it, was to be with us, to dwell with us, to partner with us. And he was going to send us out, and we were going to make the planet like Eden. That was the whole deal. That was We were going to reflect God's glory into the planet as his image bearers. And our, our vocation was going to go, that we were going to go and subdue the, the earth. And he gives us authority to do it. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Authority is given to us to go, uh, and this is our vocation, to go and to make all of the earth like Eden. God wants to dwell with people everywhere, and this is how he's going to do it, and it's going to be really cool. He does say to them, though, listen, there's this one thing. It's important. Make sure you're hearing me. The Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Look, there's a tree that's toxic to you. Stay away from it. Gives them a clear warning. Well, we know what happens in the story is that the enemy comes and deceives Eve and ultimately Adam into eating from the tree. And... We call that the fall. Everything changed at that moment. The, the, the connection that they'd had, the place where heaven and everything was just messed up at that moment. And, and it's significant because it changes everything. Now, people have asked me, they say, well, you know, it doesn't seem like a huge deal that they ate from that. Why was the consequence so severe? And it's, it's not so much that they ate the fruit. It's that what they were saying was, God, we don't want to partner with you. We don't want to be the ones that reflect your image. And we don't want to do this vocation that you've given us. We want to do things our way. We want to go and do it our way. And what the enemy said sounded good to us. We'll be like you. And that's what we're going to choose to do. See, that's why the result was so catastrophic. People were saying no to God. No, forget it. We don't want to do that. And then the authority that we're given, well, what happened to the authority? Did God just take it back? Mm -mm. See, that's the issue. The enemy got it. He won it. He stole it. He deceived his way into that authority. And that's why everything is such a wreck. Because all the authority that was given to us was stolen from us. And in effect, the enemy has used it to subdue us and direct the planet. And so all of the heartache and all of the sadness and all of the fear and all of the anger and all of the hatred and all of, you can trace it all back to that moment. And it's because the enemy took that authority. Well, what happens next is that when Jesus arrives on the scene, he's going to do something at the cross, which is he's going to take that authority back. That's he, he came and he got it back for us at the cross. See, and that's a huge deal. And now, now that you've been listening to the story, you can hear the prophets have been saying that what's going to happen is that, that God's going to come as king and he's going to begin to set everything right. And, and so that's what takes place here at the cross. And uh, Paul tells us in Colossians 1, 13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's, he's rescued us out of the authority of the enemy and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. We Just our stuff. The, the, the mess that we created at the fall because we're all dragged into that. He's forgiven us of that and he's redeemed us. We talked about redemption last week. He's, he's restored to us the, the, the first sort of way it was where we're going to be once again the 
bearing the image of God. We're going to reflect the goodness of God in the world around us. And we're going to be given vocation again, which is to partner with Him and to make a difference in the world around us. See? So it was significant that that's what happened there at the cross. They needed to see this is what's taking place. We lost authority, but Jesus has taken us back. And now He's sending us out in His authority. He's, he's, we're repartnered with God the way it was supposed to be to make a difference. And he says, in that understanding, then, what you're to do is you're to go and make disciples of all nations. And this is a great uh, uh, scripture. And it, it's a command, but there's the, the command isn't sometimes what we think it is. So it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, so a lot of times when people have read that, they, they think that the command is on the word go. It's not. The command is to make disciples. Because people have heard that, and what they've heard is that go means, it means I have to go to do this. So I've got to get on a boat, or I've got to get on a plane, or I've got to get on a train, and I've got to go somewhere else to do this. And a lot of people have not wanted to go and do that, so they reject the whole thing outright. Like, you know, I'm, I, I remember I had a young person one time who, who wanted to, really wanted to follow Jesus, but they were convinced if they got all in with Jesus, Jesus was going to send them to Africa. Convinced. <laughs> And they didn't want to go. And I took forever to explain to them, listen, it's probably not going to be what he wants you to do. But if, if it is, it will be the best thing that could happen to you. So you need not to be afraid of it. But, but people get stuck. But that's not really the command is to make disciples. And it's not the go, the way we read that. Actually, in the original language, he's saying this. As you go, as you live your life, as you go day to day now as part of the story, make disciples. That's what you're supposed to do. You need to start thinking of sort of every encounter, every encounter that you have with other people. It's not, and it's, it's not go, it's as you go, as you get up in the day, as you go to work, as you, as you go to Winn-Dixie, as you go, make disciples. You know, what's it? Disciples? Well, what's, what's that all about, a disciple? Because we think, well, a disciple's like a really mature believer. No, that's not a disciple. How do I know? Well, I read about the first disciples that there were, and they weren't the most mature group in the world. They spent three years arguing about who was the greatest. Full-on arguments. And, and tried to get that. They, a couple of them thought, we're not making any headway here. Looks like Peter's edging us out a little. Mommy, we need you to come and, and talk to Jesus for us. And literally get their mom to come in and say, hey, my two boys, they need the best spots. You know, these are good boys, as only a mommy can do. They're so handsome. (laughs) They're not the picture of maturity. They're not. But what they are is they're people that want to follow Jesus, see? And what a disciple was, was just somebody who said, I I want to follow you. I'm going to go all in with you. I'm going to, I want to do what you say. See, and... That's what Jesus is asking us. He's saying, listen, you, you're my disciples. You're go. You're not perfect. You're, you're the 11. You know, you got, you got your stuff going on. You have issues. You doubt sometimes. You're all those things. But you, you love me and you worship me and you're my friend. And I just want you to go and make me some more friends. That's all I want to do. And, and you won't have to do it perfectly. You, you just need to show up. And see, that's what's so important. He's just looking for people who are willing. And, and we'll go. And we'll do. And we'll show up. And we'll just look at every situation. And that 
this is so important with all of this. So now we're, you know, so we're restored to our original vocation. And remember, Jesus wanted to, God wanted to partner with us back then. And Jesus is saying this powerful verse, fourth point, I am with you always. Not just sending us out to go. I am with you always. Now, I hope that you'll do this, what I'm about to say to you from time to time. That every day at some point, you'll just think about the idea that Jesus is with you. In some very real way. Um, uh, that, that he's, like Jesus is here right now. Okay, so, you know, like right here in this empty chair. But he's in the chair next to you, and he's in the chair next to you. I, I don't know how he does that, you have to ask Jesus. But he's here, right? And, and I think if we will start to think that way, it begins to change things. That Jesus is with us. That when you woke up this morning, Jesus was with you. When you were driving here today, Jesus was with you in the car. He does want to speak to some of you about the way you drove here this morning. I'm just making that up. But still, you get the idea. He's with you. And that we need to start sort of thinking what that means, that Jesus is with us. That, you know, I've told you, we carry Jesus with us everywhere we go because the Holy Spirit lives in us. There's something huge to that understanding. And he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you. This whole new thing is happening and everything you've experienced, I know, and I know it's not, but I am with you. You need to know that. Just like I was for those three years with you, I am still with you. I'm with you always. And there's a connection in those verses. So when Jesus begins to speak, and the scripture is called a periscope. You, you can look for him. It's, it's when something that he says in the beginning is something he says and he ties it in at the end. And the periscope here is he starts by saying, if you look at the quote, um, all authority has been given to me. And he ends it with, I am with you always. And if you sort of cut that little bit out for a moment, not that it wasn't important, but you make that connection. He has all authority and he's with me always. There's something huge there. Wait a minute. He's always in control. He's, he's never worried or concerned. He's got me. He's got me. And he's always, always with me. He's promised. And I think when we make that connection deep inside, somewhere all of a sudden, we're not as quickly twisted and turned by the things that we face in the world as we are sometimes. That the anxieties and the worries and the anger and the frustrations and all those things, they, they just lessen. It's not that we don't experience them. Because even though the enemy's been defeated at the cross, he hasn't departed yet until Jesus comes back. So we're still dealing with the mess in some way, but differently now because of what Jesus has done. He's come and he's set things right. And we're to partner with him in that journey. And so it makes a difference. And I I want you to connect with that whole idea that Jesus is with you. It was important enough to Matthew... That he does even a bigger picture of that. One of the, I love this gospel for this reason. In, in Matthew chapter 1, right in the beginning uh, of what he's writing, it says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now make a bigger connection. Matthew starts by wanting you to know that God is with us and he ends by saying, you know, I'm with you always. 
And, and there's something in there that's powerful. And when you can connect it with the whole story and, and how it makes sense now, because he gave us authority and the enemy stole the authority and Jesus won it back at the cross. And now he sent us out in that authority to go and do what we were called to do in the beginning, which was to partner with God and to take his glory uh, into the ends of the earth that people would know about him and that they would fall in love with him and they would choose to follow him. That, that, that was their whole heart. I, I don't... I just want to follow Jesus like you. I want, to, I want to follow him as well. And so that's what we're called to do. And, and I think that takes that commission and makes it um, understandable as our life mission. And, and every instance, here's the thing, when you, when you start thinking that way, well, he's with me, he's got me, I don't have to force anything to happen, I just got to trust in him, I just got to walk with him, he just wants me to be willing, it's not going to be about my having everything right, or saying everything right, or so many people struggle with that, then they won't say anything, I'm just going to be his friend, and see if I can make him some new friends, and then every sort of connection has the possibility of someone becoming a friend of Jesus. And, and I like to think of it, it's another heaven meets earth possibility. See, you, you're carrying Jesus around heaven and earth, connected in you. That's huge. Your, your portable temple's moving all over. And when someone else comes to Jesus, boom, there's another place where heaven meets earth. And it's, now it's bigger than it was just a, just a moment ago. There's more to it than there was a moment ago. And see, that's how we make a difference, right? One, one at a time. We call that, that's our mission here. One more. This all happens one at a time. One at a time. How do we do that? And then well, as we grow, and then we start making a little difference in our, hopefully our little area around us. And then that begins to spread. And all of a sudden things are changing. And that's what it's all about. So kind of ponder those things this week. Which I think is pretty cool stuff. And then next week I'm going to be in Romans chapter 1. The first five verses if you want to get ahead. Got another really cool connection there. And uh, that we're going to jump into. But that's where we're going to end it for today. So let's pray. Alice, you want to come up honey? And and we're just going to ask Holy Spirit. We can't do our ministry time uh, at the moment the way that we did. But Holy Spirit is certainly able to use this time. We want to make sure he has that opportunity. Just to come and, and really move among us and meet us in those places where we need a fresh touch. Or, uh, you know, just to know and to settle and to experience peace again. And, and I've, I've had this thought sort of all day that the enemy has been like poking at people. Trying to, to get us to respond in ways that aren't good or healthy. To, to, to sort of feel annoyed or irritated. And the Holy Spirit would, would just want us to know that we can settle in Him and rest in Him. And that Jesus is with us. And, and we don't need to react um, because we're, we're, we're settled in His story. We understand that we fit. And it's not about our performance or getting it all right. It's just about a heart that's willing and says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a mess, but I want to follow you. And that there's, there's some great peace that comes there. There's some great strength that comes there. So just allow that to settle on you today. The peace of God that passes understanding changes everything. Just let the peace of God settle on you today. Amen. Just to make that a little more specific, I do feel like God wants to just grace people with peace today. But there's probably... I know there's people here that the thoughts in your head are like a jumble.
and it's affecting your physical life, how you feel, how you sleep, how you eat. And the Lord just wants you to look to him. He wants you to look up. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Just look up. And he's going to bring you peace in that. So if that is you today, Father, I just pray right now that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ would fall on you and you would have peace. That all the disruptions in your physical body and everything associated with it would be healed right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. All of this starts by knowing Jesus. By saying, yes, I, I want to be his disciple. I just want to follow you, Jesus. I just want to do what you're doing. And, and because he's done all the hard work for us at the cross, really it's just receiving what he's done for us already. Believing in that. And so... Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior, is, is sort of the place where we connect. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do it today. If you're watching online, you've never done it, do that today. And, and if today you decide, you know, Jesus, I want to follow you, um, what, all I ask you to do is just text the word heart to me. Because it's a huge deal. Heaven and earth make contact. And all sorts of amazing things happen. That's why angels rejoice and all these things. And we just want to celebrate with you. And so if you, if you text that to us, if you decide to do that today, I just want to know so I can celebrate with you. So, so that's up there for you to do that. And thank you again, church, for your generosity that allows us to continue to... to do the things that God has called us to. Um, we have a big outreach coming up Saturday we're excited about. We're, we're, um, we're going to provide, you know, uh, I, I wanted people to be able to have a meal over Labor Day, a nice barbecue meal. So we got brisket, and they're going to make brisket sandwiches, and, and apple, bacon, mac, and cheese. I know. And baked beans, and, and they'll get the rolls for the sandwich. So we're putting all that together, and Chef Matt's helping me. And, and uh, uh, well, I shouldn't. Chef Matt... Run, ran with the idea <laughs> that I had and is making that happen. He's good that way. And, uh, and we'll be here Saturday from 9 to 11 giving those out to blessed people. And so it's all because you, you're so generous and you figured out how to give those of you that, that uh, aren't here and able to join us mailing and digitally. And those of you who are here, there's offering boxes up front. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And here we go. Praise God from whom all. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. And, and God bless you all as you go on this day. And thank you for being here. God, you're good. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you're leaving the facility, please go out these doors. And Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.